0: Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 80, where in a moment, we look at financial planning for students. You'll be surprised to learn the snake bite and blackcurrant won't feature again after this point. That's today's show topic is on the way, like I say, in just a second. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice Right here, and you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programs to date we featured loads of stuff: mortgages, pensions, investing, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week we looked at investments for cautious investors. Now remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK personal finance show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. And you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. Whilst you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. Then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellison. With me, as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Again, another milestone, 80 shows young. Oh, I can't believe it. It's just you know? passing so quickly. I know. And yet again, I'm fairly sure a subject we haven't actually covered as yet. So good to know that we've still got ground out there. This week, it's financial planning for students. Now, this is one which will have differences depending on whether you're inside or outside the UK. And even if you're within it, which part of the UK you're in. But given all that, there's a lot of advice common to all students like, don't trust anyone who's enthusiastic about tofu. So, Phil, I suppose like any other financial planning, we look at what's coming in, going out, and how you budget for all of that.
1: Yeah, it's it, budgeting, I mean, not just for students, but budgeting for, for anyone really is something that's vitally important. I mean, it, it's good to sit down and, and look and say, right, what have I got coming in? What have I got going out? Have you got excess income? If you don't, what ways can you take to to kind of change that? So
0: yeah, budgeting is, is
1: such an important thing, especially for for students.
0: Yeah, when when usually I would imagine the typical money coming in is is probably less than an average. So tell me about that first of all.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, you, you tend to find for for students money coming in, it'll normally be they might have sort of grants, student loans. A lot of students I know will have some sort of earned income. They might have a a part-time job. Could also be money from from a family member. I mean, I know I've had clients over the years that have saved up to have a pot there, to, to help their kids out when they, they go to college or university. So that, that tends to be the main sources
0: of, of money coming in when somebody's a student. Okay, so grants and loans. I don't want to get bogged down in the sort of geography of the land, but probably worth explaining, there is a, a slight difference between those two things, first of all, in financial terms, but also geographical ones, if this differs depending on where you are in the UK.
1: Yeah, that's a, that. That's one thing for students. That there's a lot of differences between the various countries in the, the UK, but I, I would say a loan is money that's lent to you and you have to pay that back, whereas a grant is usually money that's given to you that doesn't have to, to be repaid. So I would probably say that that's the big difference between a loan and a, a grant. In the different parts of the UK, you've, you've got different grants and funding available. In England, you can get details by going to gov.uk slash student-finance. In Scotland, it's a a different website, it's www.saas.gov.uk and here you can apply for your tuition fees, grants, bursaries. They've also got a really good budget and funding calculator on that website. That was one of the things that when I was on there earlier having a look, it is really quite good for for that. In Wales, the website is studentfinancewales.com .co.uk. Um Again, this has got funding and finance details for, for undergraduate and postgraduate students. And then in Northern Ireland, the, the website is studentfinanceni.co.uk. So on, on the various websites, you, you can find out what kind of funding is available, along with how and when to apply as well. So good, good resources
0: there for for each of the the different countries. Absolutely. And whatever access to funds you have as a student, either way, it's never really all that much, is it? I mean, at a point in your life where you're investing your time and effort in your future by trying to qualify in something tangible that will earn you a decent salary, you're also potentially living away from home for the first time, enjoying your independence, learning life lessons daily, like don't wash darks and lights together. But all of it, it all costs money. And that's why... When you don't have much, loads of students have to balance that study with, well, at least one part-time job to maintain some level of income, Phil.
1: Yeah, that's it. I
0: mean, I know many students
1: will take on some kind of part-time work, whether it's maybe working in a
0: bar. Or, I mean,
1: when I was a student, I had a job in a local Burger King. It wasn't a very glamorous start to my working career, but hey, I, I needed money and um, that, that was it. So I know I always give me a few extra pennies because... I would get certain grants and stuff back then, but it was, I I, I know what it's like. I've been there, done it myself. I was at college for two years, way back, a long, long, long time ago. But um, (laughs) the the extra money that I made at Burger King was a a real, that was something I really needed back at at that point. And um, it's easy to get into financial difficulty and, and what you'll find is that some institutions will tend to have sort of hardship funds that might be able to help people. And sometimes that can help them stay in, in full-time education as well. But yeah, it's definitely good to to consider topping up what you get in grants
0: and student loans with maybe a part-time job. Okay. And there are, I mean, there are some bonuses to, to being a student as well. Financial bonuses, I mean, and we'll get onto those in a minute. But are there are there any tax perks for being a student, film? I mean, are you taxed on loans or grants, for instance?
1: Student loans generally are are not taxed. They're not considered to be taxable income. Students in the UK, they're they're not liable to pay tax on student loans or grants that they they may be receiving in order to support their studies. The other thing that you've got in the the UK as well is everyone's got what's called a personal allowance. So that's the amount that you're allowed to make before you pay tax on your earnings. So at the moment, it's a a figure of £12,570. So that's your what's called your personal allowance so you're allowed to make up to that amount without paying any tax so if you've got a part-time job if you were earning more than that in excess of that amount would be taxable but the first 12,570 that you make you don't pay any tax on so for a lot of students the amount that they'd be making would be less than that and they wouldn't have tax to, to pay on that.
0: There are some other benefits being a student too, like student discount loads of things from cinema entry to discounted food and drink, all of that sort of stuff for uh, producing your student card. In my day, I think it was called, was that a student matriculation card? Yeah, and that's I, right. Yeah, and I always struggle to pronounce it, but <laughs> I'm persistent because the discounts were worth it. But what, what sort of things are we talking about this day and age? And can you put a number on what it's worth in terms of discount, Phil? Yeah, I mean, having
1: a student card, it, it can unlock... Great deal of discounts and, and deals for you. It can help with money off in, in certain shops, restaurants. You, you can also benefit travel costs, can, can often be discounted if you've got a student card as well. And one thing that I would say there's a lot of offers out there, but what you've got to look at and say, do I really need something? So, yeah, you might be getting a discount off of something, but it's easy to spend money on things that you don't really require. So you might think that you're getting a good deal or, or some sort of good discount, but I always say it's like, do you actually need whatever it is that you're you're buying? So um, I would just be mindful of, of that as well. But yeah, student cards can and student discounts can be, be quite a good
0: thing to, to look for. And a lot of places will offer that sort of thing. Yeah, be careful buying things that you don't need, like uh, pints on the Tuesday night at student, <laughs> and the student special. The other thing you mentioned there was, was travel. And it just crossed my mind there as you were mentioning that. My my kids have both come home from school recently, and this is something that that's not long been phased in. And it's the the sort of free travel card that is. It, I think it goes in your is it your NES card your your, your young Scot card if you're that yeah. age, and it allows them basically to travel anywhere in Scotland up until the age I think of twenty two something like that. I think so You're that, right. That would cover a lot of students as well. So that's that's something yeah. else that that potentially helps out. What exactly do you have to pay for typically now as a student, Phil? So that's it. I mean, for for many students going to college
1: or university, that's going to be their first experience kind of away from home. So I mean typical student outgoings could include things like digs or rent money, food, utilities. They they might need broadband so that they can do get online and, and do work from from their digs. But it is, it's really also important to budget for things like takeaways, nights out, that that sort of thing. One website that I came across, which has got an excellent tool, it's www.ucas.com. So it's U-C-A-S They've got a great budget calculator on there. And, and also what it does is it gives you averages for the various places around the U.K. So... For example, I'm not far from Aberdeen, so I can type in Aberdeen and it'll come up and it'll say, right, the average monthly total is X amount. If I then put that I'm in London, it'll come up with a higher total because things like accommodation there would would cost more. But the excellent thing with their budget calculator, it looks at things like accommodation costs, mobile phone and internet, transport costs, food shopping, takeaways and snacks, coffees and teas, going out and eating alcohol and cigarettes. I mean, I know when I was a student, alcohol was probably spent <laughs> quite a lot on that. I thought it was an awful lot cheaper than it is today. That's for uh-huh. sure. You've also got things like interests and hobbies, clothing, personal care. I mean, it, it also says things like holidays and flights. But again, I know when I was a student, I couldn't afford to, to go on holiday much at that point in time. No. Um, bank charges, other expenses. So it's great. So if if you go on that UCAS cast website they have got this budget calculators there they've got a section about managing your money and it it really was good if you're looking at putting in
0: or or trying to get an idea what sort of expenses you'll have as a student absolutely now when I was a student I don't think I had a credit card because I'd have looked at that as like free money and it takes reaching middle age with credit debt to realize that it's just not that but I bet you're about to tell me having a good credit rating is as important to a student as it is anyone else if so what's the best way to go about getting and maintaining a good credit score as a student? Yeah, it's good good to have a good credit rating and good good credit score. For some
1: students, if if they've not had much in the past, if if they've never taken out many loans or credit cards previously, you might find that they don't have much of a credit rating or, or credit score. So Things that can help are are maybe like getting on the voter's roll can can increase your credit score. Even taking out some sort of credit. I mean, if you take out a credit card, that could help you. But one thing I would say with that is if you take out a card, pay it back each month if you can. You don't want to let debts build up on credit cards because the interest rates on those can be, be really quite high. It's important to note that if you take out a student loan, that's not going to impact on your credit score unless someone defaults on debts, student loans generally won't show up on on there. And when you do start paying back the student loan, it'll generally tend to come off your wages once once you start working. Things like mobile phone contracts are often the ones that can be, can sometimes penalise students. They maybe take out a, a mobile phone contract and that will show up on your credit file. So if you had any periods of difficulty and you maybe didn't pay that or payments were late to it, that can have a negative impact on your, your credit report. So it's important to keep up your, your payments on that sort of thing.
0: OK, what about um, financial products aimed specifically at students? I mean, presumably there, there's some advantage to taking out a student bank account. Otherwise, what's the point? So uh, tell me about the financial products available solely to students and their worth as well, please. That's that's a product, not the yeah. student's.
1: A lot of banks, they'll do student accounts and student overdrafts. I mean, some banks as well, they, they'll do student accounts where you maybe get free stuff. So some, some of the free things that they do might be like a, an interest-free overdraft, but they, they might have other perks as well. And again, it's important to look at those perks and say, right, do I actually need them? Or some of them dress it up to, to look like a perk when it's maybe something that you could get elsewhere any, anyway. I mean, If you take out an overdraft, you don't want to go over your overdraft limit without the bank's permission because, again, that could see you have various costs and charges for for doing that but like I say some of them will do maybe interest free overdrafts up to a certain amount I know when I was a, a student I had an overdraft at 800 pounds and wow. when uh, when my pay for Burger King went in that would often take me almost back into like <laughs> credit again the same as well when, when you got your your student grant came through it was like oh happy days so I, I know what it's like some <laughs> Some some banks they, they'll offer perks such as rail cards or, or discounted travel schemes but it's important to do your research because you might have access to things like that anyway. So they try to make it look like you're, you're getting a perk, but Mm. like you say in in Scotland, you've got that young Scots card and I think it's like free travel up to the age of 22. I've got a 17 year old son and that's one of the things that he's just applied for is is his card. So he gets, he can get free buses into town when he's going to college for, for him. So is a lot of different perks and, and that with the different banks, but they're, they're keen to get you in as a client. So that's why they offer these sort of accounts, because they think, right, we'll maybe give away something at the moment, but they once they've got you as a customer, there's a likelihood that you'll maybe stay with them for, for a number of years.
0: Now, there are some big differences in terms of technology to being a student when I was a kid and being one now. I mean, a horse and cart to the diesel and electric motor, yeah. for instance. Paper and tablets as opposed to papyrus, that kind of thing. All joking aside, the mobile phones weren't a thing when I was a student. I mean, nobody had a tablet. Just about everybody walked everywhere, believe it or not. Now, students do have valuables like mobile phones, laptops, bicycles. Is that another outlay they have to consider when it comes to, to trying to protect those, Phil?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's good to ensure that things like mobile phones, laptops, bicycles, and other personal possessions are, are well protected in case of the, like loss, theft, or, or damage. Some items you, you might find might be covered away from the home under your parents' home contents insurance. And sometimes banks can include things like gadget cover. You, you can sometimes get that on your, your bank accounts. I know I used to have an account that had that, and my mobile phone was covered under, under that as well. So it's good to look and see if you have got anything that covers you for some of that sort of things already because that might save you having to take out a a small policy to to cover you as well so it's important to cover that sort of things I know as a student I was probably a bit clumsier back in those days for for losing things so mobile phones laptops bicycles that sort of personal possessions it's good to have some sort of cover in place to to cover you should anything happen to those.
0: The other thing that you're always telling me Phil is that scamming is becoming more and more commonplace, and not just upon groups that you'd maybe consider to be more vulnerable or or susceptible. No doubt there are are scammers targeting the student population as well. What, What sort of things should students be looking out for in that instance?
1: Definitely. I actually was doing a bit of research, and according to Sky News... Under 25s are six times more likely to fall victim to criminals using social media platforms than over 50s, which seems quite incredible. But that that was a statistic that I thought, wow, that's that's quite surprising because I would have always thought scammers would have been more trying to target vulnerable people who are maybe a bit
0: older I think probably, I mean, the thing is as well, you would imagine that the older generation would be more susceptible, but that's maybe the thing. It's possible because kids are on social media more and older people are on it less.
1: That's it. I mean, scammers, they they don't care who they're trying to take money off. They they don't care how old they are, how wealthy or poor they are. I mean, scams are becoming all the time that they're just thinking up new ways to Mm. to try and get money from
0: people and convincing as well.
1: Yeah. But what I would say is that be, be aware of any unusual emails, text messages, or or WhatsApp messages. Again, I mean folk are using different social media platforms and different scammers will do different things on different platforms, but a lot of scammers they're trying to pose as people offering maybe free government grants they, they might have fake accommodation listings. So you maybe think, well, oh, that looks a good place to go and stay. I'll go and send a deposit through to, to book it. So you, you've got to be wary of all, all that sort of things. And what I always say to someone, when it comes to scams and scammers, if something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But you have, you've got to be on your toes and, and kind of watchful for, for scams and scammers at, at any age, especially for, for students.
0: Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Saturday mornings when they're waking up with a hangover and someone comes in, bling. that's the one to look out for. And I just wanted to mention this because I think it's way more common than you'd believe. And there's a shame that's attached to it, which in most cases shouldn't be. It's the idea of running up a debt as a student. Now, the suggestion is always that as a student, you're lazy and you're careless with cash, spending money you don't have, running up debts left, right and centre, and you know, I'm sure there's an element of that. But I also think certainly in England as a student, you're on an absolute hiding to nothing if you set out in further education. And the longer something takes to qualify, the, the more debt you, you're you're likely to, to rack up. And it's not always down to you as a student, living badly. There, I've said my bit. But in real terms, what's the practical advice if you are struggling with debt, Phil? I, I would say that the first thing
1: is don't bury your head in the sand because to kind of get anywhere, you need to accept and say, right, I've got a situation here. How am I going to make things better? What you will tend to find is most colleges and universities they've got student support services. So speak to them if you're you're having any problems or or money worries. That would be one of the, the first bits of advice I would give someone. But there's a lot of good resources out there that offer financial help and, and money advisors things like the, the well we had ditch debt with dignity was one of the the money charities we've had on in a, a previous show so i know they're local more to the, the aberdeen area but you've got things like citizens advice bureau you've got a lot of free debt advice out there from people trained professionals who can help so i i would say go and seek out the help and don't be embarrassed because a lot of people can get in that situation i mean Years ago, I know what it was like when I was a student. Like I say, I, I was kind of eight hundred pounds overdrawn, almost at my limit, pretty much every month. And then, by the time I got paid for, for Burger King, it would maybe be back to almost in credit again, and then back to overdrawn. So, I I I know how hard it can be. Yeah, absolutely. It is I I would definitely say don't bury your head in the sand and try and seek some some
0: help from people. Oh, yeah, I remember have to sell my entire record collection, Phil, because I'd, I'd bloated my first bursary <laughs> and I had to sell my, my entire record collection at a record fair. You ever been to one of those? What was that? Sorry, have you ever been at a record fair? I have yeah, not in a long yeah. time? No, well, I mean, there's less and less of them now, although yeah. Vinyl is coming back. But you go along, right? You take in your crates of records, and the real uh, sort of professionals there they come along and they go flick through it really, really quickly. They take out things like. And then they say, right, I'll make you an offer. I'll, I'll, I'll pay pay for this. And this guy came in and said, Right, I'll take the lot. Uh, and and he, he basically gave me the money back that I'd I'd um, spent at my bursary. He said, I'll take I'll take the lot. And he bought it for, for whatever it was. And then he said, actually, hang on. And he had a quick look through and he took out maybe five songs and he went off. And you'd think I'd be chuffed that I just, you know, made the money back. But I'm thinking that sitting there thinking, what's wrong with these five singles? I went and bought these. What's wrong with these? <laughs> Honestly, that's what happens. Anyway. You know what, like
1: it, it, It's good as well. I mean, if, if you're looking to earn a wee bit of extra cash, I mean, they, a lot of folk always going about like hustling. But if I was a student these days, I, I'd be looking at things and say, right, what can I buy that I can then sell on and make a little bit of profit? <laughs> that, that's it. So, sometimes I still think like that, but I haven't got the time to do it now because I've got a business to run and, family to look after but if, if I was a student I'd, I'd be going into some of these discount shops I mean I, I was away down south last week yeah and it was chucking down with rain and I thought to myself I was like see if I was in, in America somewhere you would see all these dudes on the street corner selling umbrellas Now, <laughs> what they, they're hustling they're, they're buying them cheapest chips I don't know a couple of pounds each or a couple of dollars over, over there but then they're thinking right On a day when it's chucking down with rain, I'm going to stand on the street corner and sell these for five pounds each. So it's like, I mean, people call that hustling, but it's just thinking, right, how can I earn a few extra quid? My my kids, I often say to them, it's like, look, go and look at buying. You, You go to some of these events, like, let's say, a Christmas light switch on or a bonfire night, and you often see all these kids with these little blow sticks and yeah. stuff and you, you can buy them for like a pound and you maybe get like three for a pound in some of these shops but it's just hustling is it and thinking right how can I then buy these cheap and then sell it for for a wee bit of more so sometimes you just got to do things to, to get a wee bit of
0: extra money have you? Well there you go I'm just thinking of these guys standing in the street corner in America selling pack a and, and umbrellas but oh, and they're, they're,
1: not, <laughs> they, they, they're they're switched on I mean I, I've been on the tube in America and you've got guys going around selling Boxes of sweeties. Um, <laughs> you've got sporting events over there, and, and you've got folk outside selling tins of Coca-Cola, yeah. hot dogs, they just in and hustle and make a, a few extra pounds.
0: And one of them turns out and says, Hey, next year a rod will be millionaires. That's what the, <laughs> <laughs> the other
1: one as well is. You've got a lot of sporting events. Again, not so much in the UK, but more over there. And you've got all these guys with the the bicycles with a bit on the back that you sit, and they'll give you a lift to your hotel for 20 bucks (laughs) and stuff. But they'll
0: they'll do anything to try and just get a a few pounds more, will they? There we go. If we don't, if we don't see students going up and down like Union Street in Aberdeen with rickshaws by this time <laughs> next year, Phil and I are coming to get you. Phil, just summarise for me because we've been through quite a bit there with you know financial planning for students. If there is a sort of checklist of things that you have to think about when you're about to start studying, you got maybe your grant or your your loan or your bursary, or whatever it is. What are the things that you have to bear in mind? I mean,
1: just going back to the start, like looking at what you've got coming in, what you've got going out looking at what the costs of your studying is, is going to be. Can you get any help? I mean, as I say, that the, the UCAS.com, that budget calculator they've got on there really is good. You, you can put in the area that you're, if you're at university, you can type in the, the various names of the university. It'll come up, giving you, I mean, on there, it's just like average amounts that it's giving you. And I mean, everyone's different. I mean, I personally eat a lot so I know my food shopping is always a lot more than probably on average but it's great just to give you an idea of the sort of things you might have to pay out on because if you've never done it before You don't know, do you? That's that's a thing. Exactly. It's quite good. That definitely, all the things we've covered today, that website really was a a good one just for looking at budgeting and and saying, right, what would I be be paying out as a student? Okay.
0: Here we go, Phil, as uh, we enter into the part of the show where you share a little bit of your own life story. What have you got regarding this one on financial planning for students? The, The quote this
1: week that I've got is from someone called Kate Chopin. The way to get rich is to make money... Not to save it. I guess that comes back to the the hustling again, is it? You're looking at ways to try and make a a few pounds more. And these days as well, I mean, people make money, YouTube videos, TikTok videos. It's nuts. There's different ways to make money, is there? Absolutely. The the traditional route used to be go and get a job. But if you can find a way of making money and, and kind of get stuff in,
0: great. I mean that's that's the thing, Phil. We could put this podcast behind a paywall and, and yeah. your your fans would have to pay to get it. Do you think we'd make any money that way? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'd say people well. I mean, you you've, like even on YouTube, if you've got heaps of hits,
1: I mean they, what is it when the kids does is it Twitch, I think, when they folk oh, watch yeah. them yeah, yeah. They, they stream themselves playing, playing games.
0: games and stuff. And yeah. folk actually watch them
1: playing these games. Again, I, I know folk that have made a few quid doing stuff like that. Some folk will pay to subscribe to watch them. For others, it's maybe off the adverts that the company gets. They get a cut of that. And you normally have to have a lot of followers to, to get to that level. But hey, there's there's different ways to make a few pounds, is there? It's Absolutely. All, I know. It's, there's not a hard and fast way. There's, there's always, always a way. A, Lots of, lots of reach to the top of the mountain.
0: <laughs> now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us? Please do. And as always, we can ask him anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details in just a second. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. This one came in from Joe in London. He says, I've been building up my lifetime ISA to help me buy my first home. However, with house prices skyrocketing at the moment and living in London, It is seeming unlikely that I'll find a place which falls under the 450,000 cap. I believe that if my first house is even a penny above that amount, then my 25% government bonus will be gone, and I'll be penalized 25% on top of that, giving me a rather big net loss. My question is whether you think this 450K figure is going to change in the future as house prices continue to rise,
1: I I would hope it will. I mean, it's been at four hundred fifty thousand since lifetime Isa's were introduced just over five years ago, and with the average house price in London, it's I think it's five hundred seven thousand. I mean, that's well above that that cap. So, I mean, it's quite a staggering amount for for the average house price. There. Right, it really it? is just incredible. And I guess for a lot of other parts of the UK, folk would be listening to this thing in so That's a lot more than, than the average. I mean, in Scotland, the average is under 200,000. So huge difference there. But I, I think it is something the government need to address and, and look at. I mean, we're, we're recording this show today, and there's a spring budget later on this week. So who knows? Any, something might change in that. But what I would say is it's, it's probably worth kind of lobbying your, your local MP and saying to them, look, this is something that, that needs to change see how you go on with that there are various petitions online regarding this as well but it really is something that the government need to be looking at because especially in areas such as London and the southeast, where house prices being so expensive there it's not really fair is it that's that's a
0: thing absolutely not I reckon oligarchs will come into that somewhere as well with all their property all over London they could probably get a few people <laughs> into exactly. uh, to some of those now second question and this one is anonymous and I, I want to thank you for reaching out and getting in into- touch because this this sort of thing is enormously difficult to do and I want you to know your question or or variations on this theme are probably the most common we receive right now I'm really starting to struggle with my bills and the cost of living do you have any tips as to how I can try and reduce my outgoings as I'm struggling to keep a roof over my head and food on the table do you know what At,
1: at the minute it's tough times for many just now and one thing that might help is, is taking a listen to some of the previous podcasts that, that we've done. The ones that I'm thinking of in particular was episode 38, Managing Your Debt. So that that was a good one. That was where we had Wendy Fleming from Ditch Debt with Dignity joined us yeah. on that one. So that that was a really good one. So if Wendy's struggling with debts, that, that would be a good one to listen to. But we, we also did one episode 17, How to Save Money on Your Bills. That was a really good one. And although I mean, that one was recorded a wee while back. I mean, it, it's still really quite relevant for today as well. But so that, that's just a couple of the, the kind of episodes that we've got in the back catalogue that, that's worth a look at. But it is, it's quite tough times for for many just now. And the cost of living crisis, I don't think it's really going away anytime soon, unfortunately.
0: No, the, the other one that just crossed my mind as you were speaking there, Phil, and this is probably the biggest outgoing that anybody has if they're a house owner is their mortgage on a monthly basis. And we did one quite recently with an expert as well, where it was about reducing how much you pay. Yeah, that's right. Five uh, ways, I think, yeah. to reduce money on your your mortgage. So
1: that one was just a couple of weeks ago. So that, if you're looking on the various platforms that you get the podcast. That one should be quite near the top somewhere yeah. as well.
0: And that's probably quite a quick win because, you know, you, you pay out a lot of money in your mortgage. So if you can save any, then, you know, you never know. Yeah, I, I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far, as Phil says, and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast, like I say, and please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you'd prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us, and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And that way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening.